Welcome to the Healing Us podcast, your guide to unlocking the strength within. Are you ready to embark on a journey towards healing and well-being? The ultimate destination for mental health and addiction recovery awaits. We're talking stories of hope, different approaches to healing, and so much more. At Healing Us, we believe in the power of a connected community. Our facilities are located throughout New Jersey and Southwest Florida. We provide a long-term safe haven for anyone looking to achieve lifelong happiness. We invite you to join us, along with countless others, as we explore this journey together. Together, we can overcome any challenges and embrace a future filled with healing, hope, and happiness. Join us. I am here today with Jessica Gunzi. She is our women's house manager. Uh, Jessica has had her own journey through addiction um, in the last half of her life. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's got about six months in recovery. We're so proud of her. She is a mother. She is an accomplished professional. She's got a lot going on and she's going to share today um, a little bit about her journey, her story. And then we're going to talk about love and relationships um, in addiction and in mental health and how challenging they are to navigate in each of their components. So welcome, Jess. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Um, So tell us a little bit about how you got here. How did you end up at CFC? Okay, it's actually a really funny story. Um, I have this time around a really great support system. Um, my, um, I, I identify her as my mother-in-law. Um, my fiance, uh, I call him my fiance, but my passed away, and um, his mother uh, stayed in my life. Um, I call her Mare Bear, and um, she's just the most amazing person. Honestly, I know she never gave up on me. And um, she kept talking about this program, CFC. She mentioned it time and time again. And she always uh, wanted me to come here. And I was very hesitant, especially um, early recovery. You don't really want to, you know, you don't really want to hear anything. I was very closed off, very um, isolated. But finally, um, I opened up to the idea and push comes to shove, here I am today. And it was honestly one of the best decisions I've ever made for myself because this is truly unlike any program I've ever been into and I've been into so many. I've done short-term, I've done long-term, I've done therapeutic communities, um, just so many and CFC is unlike any. Well, I'm so happy you found your way here and Obviously, just your journey is is your story, and it's incredible. And I'm glad somebody passed our pamphlet your way, and you were able to get here. So tell us a little bit. Bring us back to where where your you know wrong turn went, and and kind of how you ended up in the spirals of addiction. Sure. So I definitely didn't have um you know like your typical childhood. I would say uh, there was definitely some internal struggle within my family with addiction. Um, also. I know that my my parents and my family, they did the best they could with what they had. Um, and I definitely struggled as a child. I was extremely rebellious. I followed the beat of my own drum. I got into a lot of uh, problems as a youth. I got kicked out of high school. I went to alternative school. And did you have was one of your parents like an addiction or yes, okay. my my mom definitely struggled. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a lot a lot of times we see that right, like because if it's in the home, it's also genetic to an extent, or there's conversations that it's genetic. So um, you know, it's it's a very common thing. 
Yeah. yeah, it was just really hard. And I definitely, you know, I used to have a lot of resentment towards her and I used to place a lot of blame on her. But honestly, I know that she was never given the gifts of recovery. And I know that, again, like she really did, she did struggle and she, she you know, she did the best she could. And there was, um, I mean, also even on my father's side, you know, he grew up in a really tough environment. He was never shown any love or compassion. There was a lot of physical abuse that he endured as a child. So growing up in my family because of it, I really um, did whatever I wanted to do. There was never no structure. There was never rules or regulations. I remember very early on going to friends' houses and, you know, having sleepovers or they were sitting down for dinners and I was actually, it was almost uncomfortable mm -hmm. doing such normal things and I remember they'd they'd ha tell me to call my parents and ask permission, and I was I was almost confused, like ask permission for what? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that being said, um, it's kind of hard being that young and kind of making up your own rules mm -hmm. because I think it just it I was just led astray, and I really did need some kind of guidance, and I I don't think I really was provided that as much. Mm -hmm. So I really did act out. And I think I identify now the reason why I acted out so much is any attention is better than no attention at all type deal. Mm -hmm. So I also went through a lot as a child. Um, I was uh, sexually abused by someone that was a father figure to me. And I knew in that moment how much, even in that moment, I knew how much it damaged me and I didn't want um, his daughter, who was my very, my best friend, to be affected. So I, I, I lived with it. I internalized it. I never talked about it. And I just had a lot of pain. Yeah. I had a lot of pain and I sat with that pain. And I, I was around, I always was around older people, the wrong crowd. And one thing led to another. I was 15 years old. Um, I was always out of my house. I never really like I, I lived in my house per se. I was always out doing other things. And um, I was in a relationship and that person at the age of 15 introduced me to heroin. And it was honestly, it was off to the races. I didn't feel that pain anymore. It filled that void. I, I wasn't hurt by people that have harmed me. Um, it really just, all the torment that I went through, it, it just, it numbs me. It completely numbs me. And that's and I, where I, to start. And I think that that's, your story is so incredible. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with it as well. And it really does bring, you know, what we're talking about today, like you as a child, we're missing that structure and that not necessarily love, but in a, in a way that family love and that support and feeling like you were a unit and you have people to rely on and people to hold you accountable and, and things like that. And how that kind of not having that as a child led to your teen years where, you know, you drastically kind of dropped off hill, if you will, you know, and just immediately off to the races, like put it. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard, especially, um, you know, in my perspective, again, now, because I can reflect, it just, it really laid out a path for me and in such a negative manner, because I was looking for that love in all the wrong places. I would be in, uh, you know, really unhealthy relationships, um, abusive relationships, and I would stay for so long because I just didn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. And again, it was that attention. Right. And I would, I would accept 
any kind of attention because again attention was better than nothing at all and you were craving that that love absolutely yeah yeah that's amazing um so what happened after you know your introduction again off to the races for me I knew I was an addict the first time I picked up the drug it wasn't a slow introduction it was the first time I used was literally uh just I went down a spiral. I never stopped. It, it it progressed to a manner so fast. It was almost uh, it was just scary. I I lost myself so quickly. Um, like it, it it wasn't even a progression. It was a swan dive. So in retrospect, what would you you know say to a uh, a parent of somebody that you know parents that have a rebellious daughter that are scared of her going down the wrong path or meeting the wrong person? Like, what advice would you give them to guide her back, if you will, or him or her? I think oftentimes children that are rebel rebellious are misunderstood. Um, I think that oftentimes when you have someone that struggles with behavioral issues, there's secondary emotions, right? So underneath anger, underneath rage, underneath what seems to be a child who is very negative there might be pain and there might be hurt and there might be some underlying issues where you don't know if there was something underlying that happened so i would say ask questions mm -hmm. try to try to connection is everything having conversation and and dialogue is everything so i would say have those conversations with your child make make sure you're engaging um, and I think a teen, like a lot of times they don't want to talk to you, right? So getting them that support and that that help. Um, and there's a lot of great adolescent programs, especially in this area. So not to get off uh, too off your story, but I think it's a good point because a lot of people listening to this might have that rebellious teenager that, you know, they know needs that support. And I definitely want to say I, I love what you said. And I would actually suggest peer support because talking to a therapist or having if you're in that space of rebellion and if your parents just decide, well, I'm going to send them to a therapist, I don't, I personally think that they might be a little hesitant to speak or open up about certain things. But if it's a peer that's trying to meet them where they're at, they might be more successful in having an open dialect. So I would say maybe start with peer support first. Totally. That's a, amazing point and that's kind of what we do at cfc as well right which we'll get into later um so talk a little bit 15 tried heroin for the first time immediately an addict um and then it just was you know your journey through rehabs started there yeah Trouble. journey journey through rehab started there a slew of extremely unhealthy relationships um i was always a monogamous person so i would always be with these people that were so unhealthy my parents would tell me they're not right for me i'm like oh well i love them even more now this is great <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just date them forever oh, and here <laughs> um yeah but uh, but again like that's just that's that rebellion that's that rebellion that you know that kind of attitude that that's what i had um because I had this this way about me, like, who are you to tell me? You, like, you didn't even, you know, where were you when I actually needed help? So who are you to tell me who, what I can and cannot do? Your that was my- system was shot. That was my overall attitude. Um, school was really, really rough for me. Um, and which is really interesting because I'm 
I love school. I'm actually like a great scholar. I, I guess we'll get to this, but I went, I attended uh, college 3.4 GPA. I love learning. I'm like a closet nerd. I binge watch documentaries, but in, but it's all about mind frame. Right. I was at that time you weren't healthy. Enough absolutely to. not. Absolutely not. I was focusing on all the wrong things. My perspective was completely wrong in and out of treatment facilities. But if you're not ready for a treatment facility, there's almost, I don't want to say no point because it's beneficial to gain certain coping skills and knowledge, but I wasn't ready. I know I wasn't ready. My parents' uh, family wanted it. So it's almost like I wanted, I, I appeased other people, but I wasn't appeasing myself. I knew what I was going to do the second I got out. Multiple arrest. Um, I sit here today, multiple, uh, multiple time convicted felon, uh, second term drug court, which I'm currently um, in the process of uh, uh, doing as, as we, as I said here, um, like I, like I said, therapeutic communities, like I scrubbed my shadow with a toothbrush for six hours. Um, I've been in and out of, uh, jail numerous times and been in a lot of really horrible situations that I put myself into, hung out with really awful people. Like my addiction has really led me into some pretty dark places and it, you know, I don't, but I don't regret anything though. But all of that happened, you know, in the last 15 years. Yes. So dark dark times yes. obviously you ended up in a lot of legal uh issues yeah it's an important you know i think people have such uh stereotypes about you know people that struggle with substance abuse disorder and end up in jail and uh, people that don't have a relation to it assume oh that's where you know you belong or that's how that's where you should have gone you know you shouldn't be on the streets but it's like think about that little girl that just grew up in the home that struggled to find love and that's where she ended up. So it all comes back to our roots and our communities um, at the forefront and our relationships as a child, right? Um, so through rehabs, how'd you get to to Ocean County Drug Court and, and CFC? How'd you get here? <laughs> okay, well, that's a funny <laughs> story. Um, so I was kicked out of my first program. I, and it's important for me to say this out loud because I just want to show people that this is very much so possible and like it's all about like progress, right? So I was kicked out of the first facility that I was in for behavioral issues because you couldn't tell me nothing. Um, but that, uh, back to jail until I found another placement, treatment placement. Um, went to my second treatment facility which was in Newark, New Jersey um kicked out of that program as well behavioral issues again you can't tell me nothing at a behavioral health facility yeah <laughs> I mean why not um and that's when uh Mary kept pushing CFC she's pushed it before I'm like what what is this woman like they sing kumbaya around a fire I'm not <laughs> going there and this is really what I said I'm like what is she trying <laughs> what is she trying to do to me I will not be doing such things send me back to Newark where my people are like no and that you're on a farm in the middle of Howell New Jersey <laughs> exactly I'm like absolutely not and I kept getting the phone call while being incarcerated 
that they had a bed. They were so willing with open arms to accept me, even amid, uh, you know, amid me being incarcerated. And finally, like the the slamming doors, you know, my my situation. I was just so tired. I was just so tired. I put my hands up. I said, "Let's do the kumbaya." Like I am. Let's go. I'll pet some horses. I'm down. I don't care what I have to do. I'm just. I was ready. Yeah. I was ready. And I think that that's really important. It was a very pivotal moment in my life because you need to really be humble. You need to really be ready. And at that point, I don't care what you told me to do. If you told me to do, you know, five cartwheels in the highway at three o'clock in the morning, I would do 20. Mm -hmm. I was ready. I think that's an important topic too, though, because at CFC, you know, that rock bottom might be too late for somebody. And that might be that one last drug they take and 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 they pass away so it's a, a very important part to yes be in the right mindset and be ready for it but we firmly believe as well to bring instead of hitting rock bottom bringing the bottom up so that you know working with the family to make boundaries mm -hmm. working making their use it people using making their lives more challenging so they want that recovery quicker so we want you know we don't want them to hit rock bottom all the time you know it, it, we want their mindset mindset to shift enough to get them to that clinical space so that we can get them the therapy that's needed and then they can you know hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel but it's you know a miracle you made it that far mm -hmm. right because you how many times could you have not made it that far a lot um so that's that's important to note too because not everybody's ready and it's, it's like it's a hard thing so you don't want them to just keep using until they feel ready because then it might be too late sometimes Especially right. nowadays with the fentanyl and with everything synthetic that's out there, you really don't know what you're getting. It is extremely scary. I, I, you know, I'm ashamed to see this, especially being a mother. But even if you're not a parent, you know, I lost count of how many times I've overdosed. Um, and just the just the trauma that I I I like I'm sitting here before you. Like I know it's not not everything is my fault. But I also know that my choices have impacted things that have happened to me. And, uh, you know, it's hard. It's definitely hard um, when I sit and reflect and think back of everything that I've gone through. Um, 36 years old, and I've experienced some pretty awful things. But that being said, it, life is about perspective. I've overcome a lot. Absolutely. I'm a survivor. Um, and clearly there is a reason why I'm here today. So Jess, how did you, once you showed up to Kumbaya land, which is really funny because that's what a lot of people think, like <laughs> they see, you know, the pictures and everything we do holistically. They're like, oh, you guys are just uh, kumbaya around the fire, which you might do once in a while. I'm not really 100% sure, but <laughs> tell me a little bit about what happened once you got to CFC. Well, I just want to say I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I drank it. I funneled it. I am this program. I think what I... What I love about it so much, and well, I'll talk a little bit about when I first got here. When I first got here, um, it was very different. It was structured very different. I wasn't so used to the power of choice. I was very much used to everything almost being so structured that I wasn't able to be an individual. It was almost like you wake up at this time, you do this, you do that. This is what meeting you're going to today. Not these are the meetings that we have available. See what, see what, what do you like? What are your passions? What are your goals? 
what I love so much about CFC and what I first learned when I first got in is I learned a little bit about smart recovery. I learned about the power of choice. I learned about um, the, the, you know, science-based, evidence-based uh, structure of that program in its entirety. And I gravitated towards it. Mm. I had struggles with um, different programs and I love that CFC is so structured on peer support. I was going to say, what is your, like, how do you feel like peer support influences your recovery? It, I mean, it's the reason why I have recovery, to be honest with you, because it's hard for me because of my past traumas and what I've been through. It's hard for me to sit in front of someone who's clinical and open up about certain things. It's also really hard for me personally if you learn from a book, I'm not discrediting you. And there's nothing wrong about that. It's just when you have someone who has walked your walk and they've experienced some of the things that you've experienced and you get that, you know, one-on-one -on -one with them, they really, it's it's like you connect in a way, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. And I'm able to, be in a place where I'm not judged. It's extremely comforting. And I get so much more out of that. And it's, for for me, it just makes all the difference in the world. I think it's a very comfortable place and a safe place for me to disclose what I need to disclose in a place of no judgment. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, having other peers to lean on to your point earlier about adolescence, it's like you feel safe to open up to those people or you feel like you have people that get you that you could lead on. You know, um, bringing it back, you are a mom. Yes. Uh, so can you share a little bit about, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about relationships, especially with Valentine's Day approaching. Um, let's talk about, you know, how individuals in recovery can approach romantic relationships in a healthy way. Okay. Um, I love that I'm talking about unhealthy relationships because I feel like I as a, was at one point the queen of unhealthy relationships, but I've done so much work on myself. Um, and I also want to mention that Recently, I was in a um, long-term relationship with someone, and it was extremely um, healthy, and it was a beautiful relationship. And um, I decided to separate from that person. And I think that when you're in recovery, and this person wasn't, they were a normie, um, you grow so much, and I was evolving. I was... I was getting such, you know, beautiful wisdom from all these different programs and learning so much about myself that I was finally like my sparkle was coming back. And when I was in my addiction or when I was at like my my low point, I didn't have that confidence. And I was leaning so much on my partner. Insecure. And you exactly. And in my growth, like I was I was growing and they stay where they're at. And it's really hard. And I, I separated from them. And I just want to say that love to me is not about another person. Love to me is a way of life. Love just is. Um, there's an amazing book called The Four Agreements, and it speaks a lot about love. And that's where I learned that love, love is like it's, it's, an, it's just it is a way of life. Like it's not an action word. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that being said, the ho- like holidays, uh, Valentine's Day, it can be really hard. But I view love as more internal. So for me, it's not so much about expressing it towards a partner. It's more about how can I celebrate myself and show myself that that love and that respect of, you know, look at how much you've been through, like, and celebrate myself on that day. Uh, that's that's amazing. And I think self-love is the root of all healthy relationships. It really is. Um that that goes without saying you know what advice would you give because when people first come out of treatment i think they're really scared it's either one or the other that i've experienced or, or see it's like you either meet somebody in rehab which is usually really kind of quite um disastrous doesn't mm-hmm. always end well sometimes it does it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. um or you know you come out you're new you're trying to focus on yourself but there's still that like romantic loneliness that's missing. What advice would you give to somebody that's trying to decide, is it time to date? You know, um, how can I approach this in a healthy way with, with boundaries? What advice would you give to them? Okay. What I would say is when you're coming out of treatment, you're still gaining your structure. You're still gaining your foundation. There's still so much more that you need to learn, not about life, but about yourself. And I would just make sure that that person asks themselves, how are you going to love someone else if you still are are struggling loving yourself? You can't give away something if you don't have it for yourself yet. Also, I would make sure that they understand your priorities will shift. A relationship is very taxing. Um, I've seen it happen too, especially being the house manager. It also will, it'll fill voids and too much attention is taken off on what's so important and that's yourself. There's, I feel as though there's just too many things that need to be done in early recovery to make sure you have that solid foundation. And I do understand that's why they say at first, like really keep that focus on yourself and don't take it elsewhere because the second you get into a relationship, although you you may think you're able to find that balance, it shifts and it shifts really quickly. So your advice would kind of be, you know, ground yourself, make sure you're really confident in the foundation and your recovery and the life you're building and then introduce a partner. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's going to be instances where you, I mean, you can't control your emotions. And I'm I I and I understand that I'm very empathetic to emotions and and to love and I I mean my wish for the world is that everyone would find love and be happy. If you are in a situation where you, you know, are maybe entertaining a partner, I would say that it's all about balance. You need to have balance and you need to make sure that no matter what, you need to come first because if you don't come first, everything around you, including your relationship, will come crumbling down. Yeah. So, you know, wrapping up around to um, motherhood and and being a mother in recovery and, you know, obviously a lot of your addiction stemmed from experiences you had as a child. How are you changing or, you know, uh, focusing your parenting around so that those things don't repeat themselves? You know, how are, how are you doing that? Well, at first I used to be like a really bad helicopter parent. (laughs) I feel really bad for my daughter. Um, I was, I just, I like wanted to bubble wrap her all the time. And now I feel like that's too much. Kids need to be kids. They need to get scruffs up a little once in a while, uh, every once in a while. 
I want to make sure that no matter what, I give my daughter unconditional love, unconditional support, that I'm there for her when she needs me. I guide her to the best of my ability. And I give her the freedom to be whoever she wants to be. Um, and I think making sure that I'm just, I need to be present. I think that's the most important thing. And and being in a situation like this where, you know, I'm in a facility, I'm not with her 24-7, can, it's, it's a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. So always maintaining a balance, making sure I have my ducks in a row. I'm taking care of myself because, again, if I'm not if I'm not good, if my core is not good, then I can't be a good mother. I can't be a good partner. I can't be a good house manager. I can't be a good, you know, employee. It really starts from within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on today. Your story is amazing. And, uh, you know, just stick to it. You've got a beautiful life ahead. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming.